Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to the first part of our series going through the book of Jonah. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. We're in the book of Jonah this morning. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa and he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. I want to call our message today, Stuck in Ish. Stuck in Ish. Hey, as you guys find your seat, can you just ask the person next to you if they've ever been stuck in some Ish before? And you can put your hands together as well this morning. We're beginning a brand new series here at church. Come on, somebody. And... What we're going to do is we are going to go through an entire book of the Bible. And if you guys were part of our church community last year, you will know that we went through the entire book of Galatians. And it took us three months, and it was an amazing time just digging verse by verse. Now, we're going to do the exact same thing in this series, except it's a lot shorter than Galatians. Uh, Jonah is the book that we're going to be in for this series Uh, And this is a book found in the Old Testament. It's only four chapters and really like word count, it's about like 1,500 words or so. So it's not a long book. And uh, so what we're going to do for the next five weeks, I got five weeks planned for this, assuming that our fourth child doesn't come uh, when he's not supposed to. Five weeks to get through the book of Jonah. And I want to encourage you guys, uh, as we read this book, um, you can pre-read it. Like, if you go home today at your Mother's Day lunch, uh, pull out Jonah. And just say, hey, Mom, really quickly, we're going to read the book of Jonah. Uh, I promise you it'll take like 15 minutes, but you don't have to do it at brunch. But at some point, read this whole book because we're going to study it over these next number of weeks. Now, there's a reason... Two reasons in specific that I chose the book of Jonah to go through. Number one, uh, it is a very well-known story. That's one of the main reasons I wanted to go through it. Like, if you grew up in church, you've heard of this story, typically probably called, like, Jonah and the whale. And I'm going to show us that perhaps a whale isn't even what this giant fish was that swallows Jonah. You're like, wait, something swallows a man? Yes. The Bible's not boring. You're boring. So super well-known story. Anyone that's grown up in church has probably heard this at some point. And maybe even if you don't have an extensive church background, you've probably heard of the Jonah story. So why do I want to go through a very well-known story? Well, um, as I mentioned, we're about to have uh, a baby, which is our fourth. We have three right now. And uh, I've been uh, reading my kids at night the children's Bible. And there's a, like, I got like four at my house, and so I kind of switch back and forth between them depending on the stories. But one of the things I've noticed in the children's Bible when it tells these well-known stories is that um, obviously they're like the dumbed-down kids version. 
which like, of course, makes sense. Like David and Goliath, like I never let my kids know that David slices his head off after. We just say he fell. When they're a little bit older, I'll let them know that David. (laughs) Again, read the Bible, people. There's a lot in there. Uh, But one of the things I've seen is that in the children's Bible, it kind of makes all of these characters very one-dimensional. And what I mean by that, it's, it's a lot of times it's like there's this person. God says something to them. Maybe they don't listen, but then they listen, and then God comes through the end. Amen. And what I've found is that a lot of times, especially as I'm reading these stories, it's really weird, but God kind of takes a back seat. And like these people, these heroes of the Bible, as we refer to them often, be it Jonah or David or Moses, Elijah, the list could go on. They kind of become like the central main characters and God kind of becomes like this tertiary, outside, secondary character that exists simply to further the lives of these main characters. And a lot of times I've found as I've been reading and uh, my kids, the kids' Bible, I've kind of added my own commentary to the stories. You guys ever do that, anyone? Because like, I'm like, I don't know if this, is like, if this is given the gist of what this story is actually about. Now, why am I telling you guys all of this? I also believe that for a lot of us, even if we've been in church our entire lives, we don't often graduate out of the kids' version of these stories. I would wager to guess most of us in this room, this is very church people here, but the story of Moses, you probably know it better from Prince of Egypt, the movie, then you do the actual Bible. And when it comes to a lot of the Bible, uh, we don't always know what's actually in it. And so one of the ways, uh, reasons I love going through it verse by verse is because we get a fuller picture. And I believe in the book of Jonah, what we're going to see is the fullness and the complexity oftentimes of Scripture. And so I want us to see two things. God is better than we can imagine, and we're more messed up than we often want to believe. So, first, that's the first reason I want to go through Jonah. It's a well-known story. Second, uh, it's an Old Testament book. Again, last year we did a New Testament book. I want to do an Old Testament book um, because I think a lot of times we can struggle to understand the Old Testament. As we read it, it's like, how, how does this make sense? A lot of us are like, hey, let's just get to the New Testament because in the New Testament, Jesus shows up. And, like, that's when it all makes sense. That's when it's going to get good. But... I want to show us, I think, a very foundational truth that God is the same in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament. Did you guys know that? I want us to understand something. On the cross, like the cross is the ultimate display of of the love and the mercy and the grace of God. But on the cross, God didn't decide to become something. He was displaying that which he has always been. And so when I understand that, I can go into the Old Testament and I can begin to see that the themes of the cross are present throughout the entire Bible. It's something that I want to call cross vision. Once you understand the cross, you have the vision to understand the whole thing. And so I called this series the gospel in the book of Jonah because The New Testament starts with the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Matthew, John, all of these things. But the good news 
doesn't just start in the New Testament. It's present throughout. So I'm going to show us the gospel in Jonah. Specifically, I want to look at two themes, which is God's, number one, God's grace and mercy. Grace, I'll give you guys some definitions to get going here, but grace is unmerited favor. Grace is to get something that you don't deserve. That is grace. Now, this is important because grace and mercy, although similar, are different. Grace is to get what you don't deserve. Mercy is punishment withheld. So the best kind of way I could describe grace and mercy was like, let's just say you've been a bad kid and you deserve the belt. Come on, somebody. (laughs) So let me explain grace and mercy with the belt. Let's say you deserve the belt. Mercy is the belt going back on your dad. Like he's not going to get, he's going to withhold that which you deserve. That's mercy. You guys following? Grace would be like, you get, you deserve the belt, but instead of getting the belt, not only does your dad take the belt away, he gives you a gift as well. That's grace, right? It's, it's, it's not just mercy withheld, it's also a gift as well. And so throughout the book of Jonah, we're going to see God's grace and God's mercy show up over and over again. So I want to give you those little um, definitions to keep us going. And the second thing, the second theme that I want us to see in Jonah is God's judgment. How does God deal with people, specifically rebellious people, who don't seem to follow God? Now, what we're going to see, and for a lot of us, our minds don't always put these two together, but what I want to show us is that grace and mercy are closer to judgment than we often give it credit for. So, are you guys ready to study the book of Jonah? That was the preamble. Now we're going to get into it. You guys ready? Okay, Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. So we have Jonah who is a prophet and a prophet in the Old Testament by all accounts had really one primary job and that was to give the word that the Lord gave them to the people in which the Lord instructed. So you're a prophet, God speaks to you, you speak to the people. Pretty simple. And so the book of Jonah starts off by Jonah getting a word from the Lord to go to Nineveh, preach against it, because its wickedness has come up against me. Nineveh is so wicked, God is saying, its wickedness is not just reaching the people, it's now come to me. Now, we need to understand something as we go into this book, because I think it's important. Um, We need to understand the city of Nineveh. Now, For the people that would have originally read this, they would have known right away where and what Nineveh was. For those of us today that are not um, perhaps uh, in the know of ancient cities, I'll fill you guys in a little bit on what and where Nineveh was. So Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, and it was a large and prominent city. Uh, Scholars would say that perhaps Nineveh was the largest city Uh, in the known world at the time. It was wealthy. It had a robust military. One thing that was important is that Nineveh was a known agitator of Israel. Jonah, the prophet, is from Israel. So we got to keep that in mind because it's important, not so much for today, but next week especially. I'm going to kind of dig into that. Um, But 
above all, and we see it, Nineveh was a wicked place, right? They were known for violence. They were known for sexual immorality, rape. Um, I actually did uh, just a quick search uh, on Nineveh this week, and it was funny. One of the first articles that came up, it said, Nineveh as sin city. And like, if you don't know, like modern day sin city is Las Vegas, Right? And so think of Las Vegas when you think of Nineveh. And ironically enough, I was in Las Vegas last week. <laughs> but the Lord is with me. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but I want you to understand that there's few places on earth that you can walk down the street in broad daylight and be offered cocaine and strippers. That's, that's Las Vegas. And so I'm trying, I want to paint a picture because Nineveh is a wicked place. You guys following? No, everyone's like, did he say strippers in church? <laughs> Just telling you what happened, people. We said no. Come on, somebody. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> you guys, no one's ever heard of Vegas in this place? Guys, like, that's what happens there? Yes. It's a wicked place. <laughs> Much like Nineveh. Okay, come back to the scripture. And so God says to Jonah, go to Nineveh. I need you to preach against it. I need you to bring a message of judgment. Again, for Jonah, he gets a message from the Lord. He's a prophet. He would have been used to this. However, this is where the whole book of Jonah takes a U-turn. Jonah chapter 1 verse 3, it says, Jonah ran away from the Lord. Now again, I painted the picture perhaps too vividly for some. Nineveh is a wicked city, by all accounts, you know, deserving of judgment. And Jonah runs the opposite direction. He has a calling from God. This is what God wants him to do. Jonah runs the complete opposite way. Now, again, I'm going to dig in more next week into why Jonah runs away. But I want to put the focus back on the Lord for a second. And I want to ask a question, and perhaps, you know, if we know this story, we've never let our minds go here. But one thing about God is that God knows all. He's sovereign. He's omnipotent, omnipotent, all of these huge words. And so God knows the beginning from the end. And so one of the things that I thought was interesting is that God has a message for Nineveh that he wants to be given to them. And so he goes to Jonah. Now, if God knows all, God knows how Jonah is going to respond to this message. And so something that was going through my head this week was like, why would God go tell Jonah to preach to these people knowing full well that he was going to say no? You guys ever thought about that before? Like, Why is God going to the one who seems most unwilling to do that which he's calling them to do. Now, I think, number one, as far as the literature is concerned, this is telling us something important. Number one, that this book is not primarily about the wicked Ninevites. Because a lot of times, like, we want to like, immediately make it like a, a marvel movie, like the good guys and the bad guys, like those wicked Ninevites. But by Jonah's response, the scripture is letting us know that these bad wicked people are not 
the center of this story. Jonah is. Jonah is the character that we need to hone in on in this story. And what we're going to see, and my hope is as we push past this kind of children's version of this story, is that Jonah is a very complicated character. And I believe that the cool thing about the complexity of Jonah is that because he is not linear, because he's not one-dimensional, I can see myself in Jonah. Because he's good, and then he's not. He follows God, and then he questions God. And we're going to see that throughout this book. And so his response lets us know Jonah is an important character. But back up a little bit. I want to go back to God. Why does God choose the one that he knows is going to say no? Well, I have a simple answer. I think it's correct, and we can ask the Lord in heaven. And you guys can search the scripture yourself and come to your own conclusions. But this is what I thought. I think it's simply this. God chooses who he wants to use. Simple as that. Why would God choose someone that is going to go and not follow what he said? Pretty simple. God chooses who he wants to use. End of story. Now, I want us to understand this because a lot of times, especially like in church, we frame our ability to be used by God as our open-handedness and our willingness. And we say things like, as long as we are willing, God will use us. Now understand, I believe that the more willing you are, the more open our hands are, the more God will use us. Do not be mistaken. But at the end of the day, we can't put that much emphasis on ourselves because God, in his all-knowing nature, inevitably chooses who he wants to use for his purpose, for his glory, irregardless of us. At the end of the day, God is fully in control, and everyone that he calls, appoints, and chooses is his own doing. And here's why this is good news. Because God has this way of choosing the most unlikely people to accomplish amazing and great things. Amen? Are we awake this morning, people? I said God has this way, come on, of using the broken things, the messed up things, the disobedient things for his glory. God chooses who he wants to choose. I've shared this before, but this is my story. When the Lord called me into ministry, like I, I had never read the Bible before. I, I, was, I read like Genesis when I was younger, got bored in Exodus, didn't pick it up for 18 years. And God called me into ministry. I remember I would, I would sit in church and I would see people speak for 30, 40, 50, one hour, pray for those people. And I would say like, man, like how do those people speak so long? And then God calls me into ministry. And I remember thinking to myself, well, I'm going to do everything, whatever God calls me to, but I'm not going to speak. Like, what do you talk about? And just God has this way, and some of you guys are like, I know, I know, come on, you've always had this ability, Pastor. Don't lie to us. I, I, I didn't. But God called me anyways. You guys see what I'm saying? I was talking to some people, and it's funny because I got into ministry, and then pretty soon into ministry, God, you know, I felt called us to start this church. 
And uh, I was talking to some people a few weeks ago, and I've met a whole lot of church planters before, people that start churches. And a lot of them are like type A, like entrepreneurs, risk takers, like bet the whole farm, like we're going for it. That's just not me. And sometimes I'm in this room with these people, and I'm like, God, why did you call me? Like, listen, y'all, like, we're going to one service last week, next week. Pretty easy decision. It takes me like a month. <laughs> I'm like, Wayne, every pro and every cut. Because I don't have that, like, go step into it. It's just not who I am. Yet, God calls me. Now, I'm sharing this, and this message isn't about me. It's about us. And, and I'm just sharing my experience. But I want you to understand, in your life, all of those things that you think disqualify you, many times they're opportunities for God to come in and show us that he has this way of doing that which we could not do on our own because God chooses who he wants. Paul in 1 Corinthians puts it like this. He says, consider your calling, brothers, to the church. Consider your calling. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth, but God chose, come on somebody, what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low, despised, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. Why? So that no human might boast in the presence of God. So, so why does God choose the most unlikely people, the most messed up people to accomplish his purpose? It's so that we don't get proud and so that all glory can go to God. It's all by his goodness. It's all by his grace. So why does God call Jonah, who we know, says no, is so that God can get all the glory. And so I want us to understand something for those of us sitting in this room right now. I want to declare something on your life. God has a call on your life. Every single person in this room, God has a calling on your life. And I want you to understand if that calling is truly from God, your competency right now won't match up to it. Because God doesn't call us to things where we can get all the glory. God calls us to the things, to the places, to the positions where we have to rely on him and his power and his strength so that we can understand it's only by his goodness. It's only by his grace. So I want to just declare this one more time on your life. You have a calling. And so you got to ask, Holy Spirit, Father, what is my calling? What is the thing that you are calling me to do? I just, I believe it in our church right now as we gear up for the fall. God's going to continue to grow this place. We're going to continue to reach St. Albert. Come on, somebody. And God is raising up leaders. And I know that there's people, that, there, that things are starting to stir inside of you. Maybe it's leading a group. Maybe he's taking the next step in service, whatever it is, but there's another thing inside that says, I just don't know if I have the capacity. I don't know if I have the capabilities. But I want us to understand if God's called you to it, he's going to equip you through it. 
It's Mother's Day. Come on, somebody. Where the mothers at today? Come on, can we make some noise for all the mothers? I'll give the Father some love, too. <laughs> Parents, you have a calling on your life. You have a divine calling on your life to lead. Now, depending on the age of your kids, leadership looks different in different seasons. But at the very end of the day, the calling on your life never ends. And I know for a lot of us, and everyone's story is different. Like, how did I become a parent? How did I become a mom? Like, this is crazy. Whatever your story is, here's what is consistent and here's what is truth all the way around. God didn't make a mistake. It wasn't a mistake. The children that you have are a divine gift from God, and there's a calling on your life to lead them, to love them, to bring them into the presence of the Lord. And what we're going to see in this story in a second is that there's always something competing with the calling of God. And I think right now, I just, I just felt this week to speak to, to, to parents with young kids, maybe because I'm in that season myself, but I believe there's this, this thing happening right now where our children are being raised by everything except parents. There's a generation of people being raised by a little person I like to call algorithm. It's the algorithm. If you don't know what an algorithm is, it's the thing that every single social media site uses to keep you sucked in to scrolling. And for a lot of parents, because parenting is hard, don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. And so we trade what is hard for what's convenient. And we let phones raise our kids. We let YouTube raise our kids. For some of us, we let the schools raise our kids. School and education is fine, and, and you, I hope your kids are educated. But the purpose is not to parent them. That's your calling. That's what, that's what God has you for, to lead them spiritually. Listen, the church, kids' programs, amazing. We're trying to disciple the next generation. We have so many amazing leaders. Give it up for our kids' team over there. But they're just influencing and pointing to Jesus. They're not raising our kids. That's our job. That's our calling. And I know we don't, like, I don't feel like I'm just not equipped. I can't speak eloquently. Listen, God has called you to it. He's going to equip you through it. Come on, for young people, maybe it's in the workplace. Maybe it's on campus. Like, there's a calling there. There's a calling to stand out, to be different, to make a difference. You are where you are for a reason. God doesn't make mistakes. When Jonah says no, God doesn't make mistakes. But I want us to understand this. God calls each and every one of us, but you are free to say no. Everyone's free to say no. So it says, verse 3, it says, Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for the port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarsish to flee from the Lord. So 
we can't see it um, in English, but in the Hebrew, there's actually a play on words that's going on here. It's important. Um, every time God is calling Jonah to go somewhere, it uses the Hebrew word ascend, like to go up. And so he's literally saying, ascend, go up, right? Go up to Nineveh. And when Jonah is disobedient, he uses the Hebrew word descend. And so God calls him to ascend, Jonah descends, right? He goes down. And it's, it's a play on words. To, to, if, again, in Hebrew, you'd see it right away. In English, not so much. But it's letting us know, like literally, Jonah is going the opposite way of that in which God has called him to go. Geographically speaking, Tarsish is the opposite direction of Nineveh. And I want us to understand something. This is important. Whatever God's calling on our life is, it'll always take us up. Even if we don't always see it. Even if, if up looks like down. Right? Nineveh, wicked, messed up, all that stuff. But that was up. And it wasn't up because of the place. It was up because that's where God called him to go. And so whatever God is calling you to go, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It just matters, has God called me here? And the opposite, whatever it is, is always down. Tarsish was as far as you could possibly go from where God called you. And so what Jonah does is he says no, as he's free to say no. And again, I'm going to look deeper into why he says no. But the truth is this, what Jonah does here is sin. He sins. Because all sin essentially is disobedience to God. But I want us to understand another definition of sin that is in the long, along the lines of the same. And I have it for us on the screen, but I think that all sin is simply the refusal to believe that God is more dedicated to our good and more aware of what that is than we are. I'll tell you, that the one-way ticket to sin is to believe that God doesn't have your best interest in mind. I'll give you a little a quick Bible overview, but in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, when sin enters the world, the devil uses a tactic. And he's been using the same tactic for 6,000 years. He says to Eve, he says, did God really say you can't eat from this tree? Did, did God really say that? And I want us to understand whatever that calling is on your life, there's always a secondary voice that says, are you sure that's what's best? Like, are you sure it's best to stick it out in that church when it's getting kind of hard? Like, are you sure it's best to stay in that marriage? They don't look at you like they did 20 years ago. Doesn't God want you to be happy? When God gives us a direct call. I shared this um, last week with someone, but when God called me into ministry, uh, the clearest he spoke uh, was an evening. I remember it, and I'll never forget it. Uh, but the next day, I was like, no way, Jose. Like the day before, I was like, I'm called, yes, come on. The next day, I was like, no. And I actually forgot about it and kind of ignored it for about three or four months. Um, and to the Lord, just has this way of slapping you around a little bit. 
But, but I share that because I want you to understand the called experience. There's always a moment of like, yes, and then no, no. And every time, and, and sometimes our no's are elongated, and sometimes we go in the opposite direction. But what we are doing every single time is we are refusing to believe that God ultimately has what is best for you on the other end of our yes. And I want to speak that and to declare that in the, in the area that God is calling you to on the other end is something good. Even if you don't see it, even if it's painful for a moment. Listen, Nineveh was a scary, wicked, messed up place. But it's where God called Jonah to go. You see, a lot of times it's like, man, what's my next step? You got so many young people. It's like, what do I do next? Like, what is God calling me to do? I have this simple belief that all God calls us to do is be faithful. It's not about like, do I do this job or, or this task or do I live in Calgary or do I live in Edmonton? You can live wherever you want unless God's called you to Nineveh. Then go to Nineveh. And things become a whole lot simpler when we're just faithful to the Lord. And I believe this wholeheartedly because I've experienced it in my life. When you say, God, give me direction, God will give you direction. We just have to be obedient to listen. Because when we don't listen, one thing happens every time, inevitably and eventually, when we're disobedient to God, we get stuck in ish. Stuck in ish. And so Jonah goes, I hope you guys see the play on words, Tars-ish. Jonah goes down to Tars-ish, and he gets stuck in some ish. Jonah 1 verse 4, it says, The Lord sent a great wind in the sea. Such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And all the sailors were afraid, and each cried to their own God. And they threw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. So Jonah disobeys. He doesn't listen. And uh, literally, humongous storm, like terrible storm. And it says, Jonah had gone below the deck, and he was sleeping. Now, I think it's funny because a lot of times, and I know we've all been there, when we're not living the way that we should be living, and our life begins to kind of look like ish, we begin to ask ourselves, God, how could you let this happen? <laughs> really, God? How, how is my relationship going to look like this? How, how does my job look like, like how are you going to let us, let this happen to me? And it's this ultimate irony that when we disobey God and our lives begin to look like ish, then we question God. Now Jonah, he doesn't question God. I'm talking about us. What Jonah does, it says, but Jonah had gone below the deck where he lay down and he fell into a deep sleep. So in the midst of this storm, Jonah is literally sound asleep, snoring. And to be honest, when we're stuck in ish, two things happen. We either blame God or we get so comfortable in that ish that we just fall asleep. And we get used to the storm. We get used to the anxiety. We get used to the heartbreak. We get used to the heartache. We just call it life. 
Life, this is just, life's hard. Now, it's interesting because I told us one of the themes is mercy and judgment. Now, in this verse right here, we see both mercy and judgment. Now, the judgment is obvious because there's a storm. Now, don't be mistaken. This wasn't because of natural causes. It literally says the Lord that's Yahweh, we sang about that. Yahweh sent a great wind. Like, like the Lord made this storm come. Now that seems like judgment, and very active judgment. But we need to understand that even more than judgment, which this storm is, this storm is also mercy. And it's mercy in two ways. Number one, when you disobey God, the Lord of the universe, who reigns above it all, do you know what you deserve? You deserve death. That's what, that's what Jonah deserves because he was disobedient to God. But instead, there's a storm, the Bible says, threatened to break up the ship. That's an important word. It didn't break up the ship, it just threatened to break up the ship. And I want us to understand that sometimes when we're stuck in ish, what you need is a storm. And you need a storm to wake you up, to let you know there's something else out there. God has something different for you. And I want you to understand, the reason your life hasn't totally fallen apart right now is because God is keeping that ship stuck together. The storm is threatening to break the ship, but the ship is still sailing. I need you to see that. But every single time that God sends judgment especially in these stories in the Old Testament, it's actually mercy because he's giving them another chance. He's giving them another chance to turn around. And so I just wonder, and I want to speak to someone because I know there is someone that feels like they're in a storm right now, that they don't have the peace that they want. What if that storm wasn't meant to destroy you but to save you and to bring you back to where God is calling you to go, to the places, to the things that God wants you to have and to accomplish? I want you to understand something. God's callings are always salvific. And what I mean by that is whatever the calling is that God has for your life, on the other end, the end goal is always salvation. God is calling us to save people to seek to save the lost to come on the mission of Jesus and I love this story because it says in the boat he's sleeping and Jonah wants nothing to do with God and maybe someone came here today physically you're here but you've been sleeping inside and you thought you were here for a certain reason, like I'm just here to support my wife, it's Mother's Day, or my mom, or my grandma. But maybe the reason you're here today is because God wants to wake you up from the storm. Because he's worried about you and he has something so much better. I love this, it continues, it says, the captain went to Jonah. He said, how can you sleep? Get up. Call on your God. Maybe he will take notice so that none of, us, none of us will perish. And so the sailors said to each other, come, let's cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. 
And so even again in the language, Jonah's not too helpful. So they're like, okay, whatever, let's go cast lots, which was like a superstitious activity, like literally they're throwing stones. Like, who's going who's gonna to get the, the longest straw or the shortest straw? Like, who's, who's responsible? And I love this. It says, they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Because God is determined. Like, I am going to use whatever methods possible to get this message across to Jonah. God chooses who he wants to accomplish his purpose. You see, when God calls Jonah, the Bible says that he fleed from the Lord. He fleed from the Lord. Now, Jonah was a prophet, and so he'd be well-versed in the scriptures and in the Psalms. And so the language in Jonah brings to mind a famous psalm, Psalm 139, that Jonah himself would have known when he decided to flee from the presence of the Lord. Psalm 139 says this, it says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, literally, if I make my bed in hell, in Sheol, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hands will guide me. And so Jonah's running away from the presence of the Lord, knowing full well, I can't escape the presence. It's everywhere. And when God has this calling on your life, he's not going to stop. He's not going to stop calling. Book of Revelation says, I stand at the door and I knock. He's not busting the door down, but he's calling. And I believe he's calling someone today to come home to come back to that place, come back to that calling that you had on your life. Maybe it was a clear calling years ago. Maybe it was something recent. But God is saying, hey, if I called you to it, my presence, this everywhere, this around us, is going to get us through. Can we stand for a second, church? Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes? I would just love to to make an appeal this morning. I want to I appeal to anyone that feels like they're stuck in some ish right now. And you know what that is. Maybe it's, it's marital problems or maybe it's finances or, or friends or relationships or whatever it may be or just rebellion. Maybe it's sin. If that's you right now and you're just saying, man, I want to weigh out. I want to wake up from my sleep, wake up from my slumber. With every head bowed, every eye closed, can you just show me your hand this morning? I would love to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, you know the callings that you have on our life. You know the places that you've called us to go and the people that you want us to become. So Lord, may we trust that you have what is best for us. May we believe that you are for us, you are for our good, you are for our holiness. Lord, I pray for every person in this place that's stuck in something right now, that's in a storm right now that just feels like it's swelling, like it's about to break. I just pray for clarity, and I pray for breakthrough. 
God, I pray that you are the God that saves and that you are doing the same thing then as you're doing now. So, Lord, may we see ourselves in this book, deserving of judgment, but constantly given olive branches of grace and mercy. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your mighty and your holy name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, can we put our hands together? Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or you want more information about our church, why don't you head over to kingdomchurch.ca? We would love to connect. Until next time, take care.